Okay, so we're looking at uh, Matthew 5, uh, 21 and 22. Pat had a question about this, and we'll try to stay, uh, won't go too deep in a rabbit hole on this, but uh, just because you've got to have context or you'll not understand. This is Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 in uh, the book of Matthew. And um, the key thing that you've got to understand, and who was it I spoke with? Oh, I met with, um, I met with um, Nathan and Daniel Sunday morning. And, um, you know, Daniel was ha- had some questions about something about the law and the Sermon on the Mount. I said, well, Daniel, do you know to whom the Sermon on the Mount was written? He said, well, the people on the mountain. I said, no, it wasn't written to that. In fact, I believe, and I'll say this, huh? It's directed to believers, isn't it? Yes, it is. But why do you say that, Roxanne? Because I have it written. <laughs> 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 right on, though, but she that's good. So yeah, you got cheat sheet. Uh, yeah, you got a cheat sheet. Which that's why ever uh, you know, unmarked Bible yeah. is an unread Bible. Right. Uh, so anyway, it says, and in fact, this was interesting. I was talking to Cynthia, and she didn't know this. We, I, she was asking, "What did you and Nathan and them mm-hmm. talk to?" I said, "Well, he was thinking the Sermon on the Mount, you know, was written to just the the multitudes there." And I said, "No, it's written to believers." She says, "Really? Yeah." Five uh, one says, "When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his what disciples, oh, disciples yeah. came to him, and he opened the mouth and began to teach them. Them follow your pronouns, so you follow your pronouns. He wasn't teaching the multitudes; they simply overheard it." He was trying to teach his disciples. Why was he teaching the disciples? Well, let me ask this question. First of all, were they believers? Yes. Yes, they were his disciples. They'd already believed in him for eternal life. So this is not a salvific sermon. And one of the things that um, uh, Nathan, not Nathan, but Daniel was asking about is um, when you come to the end of chapter 5, uh, verse 48, therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, does that mean I've got to be perfect to go to heaven? No. Of course not. We know it doesn't mean that, but do you know why it doesn't mean that? And I'm not going to go into that right now. We, we couldn't be, but it seems like he says, therefore, you are to be perfect. We'll get into that um, uh, if we go through the Sermon on the Mount. But anyway, going back to, um, so you open up Sermon on the Mount, and the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount is found in uh, verses 1 through 16. Do you have that in your Bibles there, uh, Roxanne? You've got two parts of the introduction. You've got the Beatitudes, which Beatitudes would run uh, uh, verse 3 through verse 12. That's your Beatitudes, all right? And we're not going to go into that. And I showed you how those team up together, four down one side, four down the other side, and all that sort of stuff. You remember that, Carolyn? That's great. Mm -hmm. And then he he gives the theme, and then he gives, excuse me, the similitudes are in verses 13 through 16. Similitudes, like. Uh, he says, you are the salt of the, art, uh, the earth, you are the light of the world, and all that. Those are similitudes. Then he gives the theme of um, the Sermon on the Mount. And that is that I did not come to abolish the law of the prophets. For I, did not, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill, da, da, da. He goes on through that. And then he says in verse 24, I, uh, for I said to you, and, uh, excuse me, verse 19, whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's stop. What, what's he talking about when he says kingdom of heaven? This is another place where people go wrong and understand this sermon well, you're a believer. And you'll be last in the kingdom, in the kingdom of 
But this is to believers. This is so to believers. It, I mean, you now, let's just stop. Let's not stop for a moment. It's to what type of believers? We're doing Bible study here, so if you're listening right. on here, you're going to learn how. Like, more like not a disciple, more like a, maybe a carnal believer. Okay, now you would say that because of book, chapter, and verse. Which one? No, I'm just saying that because because, <laughs> never, because they could be put out into the they could be put out into the outer darkness. Okay, and where would we find the outer darkness? Oh, <laughs> you know, you know, you know. Yeah, I do know, <laughs> but that's not in this passage, is it? Because I'm reading that book, The Outer Darkness. Yeah, that's a that's a great book, but that's not in this passage. He said, um, he says, uh, whoever then uh, annuls one of these least commandments, and uh, whoever teaches shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven if he annuls them, great in the kingdom of heaven if he keeps them. What are we talking, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, rewards. Uh, You're moving in the right direction, yeah. But Okay, let me just stop for a minute. Jesus Christ came as the blank of the Jews. King of the Jews. Jews. Now, so he was coming and he was offering the kingdom. kingdom. So if he is giving, this is how you become great in the kingdom, which if the Jews had enacted it, it would have been inaugurated. All right. Right. You got that? So it's it's talking nothing about getting saved or anything like that. It said Jesus was bringing the kingdom, which he will in the future. He will bring the kingdom and he will reign on this earth for a thousand years. Revelation, uh, I think it's 20, if I'm not mistaken. He, uh, uh, Revelation 20. So he's talking about greatness in the kingdom, which is a literal king. There's, there is, let me, just, let me just say this too. Here's another little sidebar. And it's another thing that, you know, another area that people, you know, kind of get wacky on. They don't understand. You know, when you hear the term, and I'll get back to it, but you, we're going deeper in the rabbit hole now. Thanks, Pat. But you know how, you know, <laughs> you know how people talk about we're a new covenant church? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I haven't heard yeah. of Okay. Yeah. Okay. What that means is remember in the Old Testament. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 33, it speaks of a new covenant. And then Jesus in uh, the upper room uses, this is the new covenant in my blood. Remember? And so there's a lot of people that say, oh, well, we're a new covenant church. You can't do that. There, you can't do that. We share not Gentiles get nothing from the new covenant. It was made with what group of people? Jesus. Jews. It was made from the Jews. And, and, and so we get nothing from the new covenant. You can't say right. you're a new covenant church. Right. There's no such thing. There is what's known as the church statement that you got Jew and Gentile in. But we don't get any. That, that new covenant was totally made with the nation of Israel. What Jesus was doing in the upper room is he was ratifying the covenant that he made and that was spoken of in Jeremiah 31, 33, ratifying it. It hasn't been enacted yet because the Jews rejected the king. And if you look at all the, the stipulation there in the new covenant, none of that stuff's taking place. None of that stuff is taking place. So uh, that's a mistake that a lot of Christians make is that, oh, well, the new covenant, we get, we're a part. No, you're not. You're not a part of it at all. You get, 
you get and we get. Turn back with me to uh, 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 Genesis 12. Genesis 12. Lita, do you, have you missed all this? Just jump around, find a rabbit hole, jump in, and start teaching the Bible. <laughs> Notice what he said. <clears throat> Revel, you know, uh, Genesis 12, and you know that is the Abrahamic covenant. Right. And he says, the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and your father's house to the land which I will show you. He makes several promises here. He makes promises. I will make you a great nation. That's one promise. I will bless you. Two promise. I will make your name great. Three promise. And you shall be a blessing. Four promise. And I will bless those who bless you. Five promise. And the one who curses you, I will curse. Six promise. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Seventh promise. That is the basis of of the blessing that we get from Jesus Christ. It flows out of the Abrahamic covenant. That's the only place that Gentiles are included in a blessing. You see what, you understand what I'm saying? It's important you understand that. He says, and you will, and, and in you all, he didn't say Jewish, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There's a universal blessing that flows out of the Abrahamic covenant. And, you know, the, the Abrahamic covenant is the kind of the, the if you will, the, the, the top covenant. And then you've got the, the, the covenant, the land, a seed, uh, and a blessing. Then the, the Abraham, the, uh, new, the new covenant that is in that is in Jeremiah. Turn with me to Jeremiah. See, now you guys are understanding dispensationalism. And I will teach on that in, not this week at uh, the Promise Fellowship, but the following week I'll teach on dispensationalism. Um, and notice what he says. Uh, we could start in uh, Jeremiah 31. Um, we, let's start in verse 27. Can you... Give me a minute. So yes. Do you have it. Jeremiah I there? I do have Jeremiah. All right. Then we will wait oh, for I have you. the first 27 chapter. Oh, well, we're oh, in 31. Wait. I'm sorry. No, do you need help, Lita? Yes. Okay. There we oh, go. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, I forget how much I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like our blessings that Jesus gives us. We forget some of those blessings, don't we? Yes. Okay. So is everybody, while Lita's seeing if she's got the other uh, parts of Jeremiah... And uh, for those of you all listen, Lita is, um, has her Jeremiah and Lamentations, Volume 1. So you well, might... Well, it, does, it doesn't have all Lamentations. It says Jeremiah and Lamentations. Well, it is her Braille Bible. Oh. Oh, no? It's, it's, the last one is 27. Okay, so oh, we, we are sorry. in 31. That's all right, Lita. <laughs> I thank you for looking. I wish you had it because you. Uh, you could probably teach us from it. Notice he said, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. Jeremiah what? Jeremiah 31, 27. 31, 27. Okay. All right, got it? Behold, days are coming. Declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of a man and with the seed of a beast, as I have watched over to pluck them out, to break them, to overthrow, da, 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 da. Uh, And then he says, drop on down to verse 31. I just want to give you the kind, behold, days are coming. Use the same phrase. Days are coming. Days are coming. All right. Uh, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Okay, stop for just a moment. 
to whom is he making the new covenant? Israel. Israel Israel and Judah. It's It's the nation of Israel. Judah. Judah's the southern kingdom. Israel's the northern kingdom. Do you see Gentiles in there? Do you see all the families in that? It's not in there, is it? Okay. So the first thing, no, wait a minute. This is a covenant that's made solely with the nation of Israel, the Jews. It's, we can't claim it. He didn't make a contract. If, uh, if you were going to sell your car and you made a contract to sell it to Lita, that contract is just between you and Lita. You couldn't come in and say, well, Lita, you bought that car. I'm part of that contract. I want to drive your car. <laughs> All right. Lita would say, well, I'll tell you what. I'll let you drive because I can't see, but I'll ride. How's that? You know? <laughs> All right. And he says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. What covenant is that? The Old Testament. It's the Old Testament. You're right, Lita, but it's a, it's a specific covenant. Which one? No, oh, Abraham. No, no, no. We just the read that. One. Remember, you get it. What would you say? The land. No. Remember, he says he told you when he made the covenant that'll give you a key to the covenant. Look at your text. Not at my face. The answer's not in my face. It's at the text. <laughs> in the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the text. You know, so there's a key in there that would tell you what covenant he's speaking of. No. Look at look in verse thirty-two. Not like the covenant which I made with There's their fathers. Uh, in the, no, don't look at your reference. Just look at your text. In the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. What covenant is that? Come on, ladies, you know it. You know it. Charlton Heston. Yes, the Mosaic covenant. Oh, yes. Now, why is he saying the Mosaic covenant is different than the one he made with the fathers, which would be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph? Why is he saying that different? I can see we're not going to get to the book today. I think it's it's (laughs) conditional. It's conditional. You're right. If you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do that. In fact, you can see that they break it all. And then if you'll go to... um, Deuteronomy 28 and 29, Whoa. you'll see the, the what's called the blessing and, and the, the cursing. Yeah, I will bless awesome. you if you do this. Mm-hmm. I will curse you if you could do that. Right. Remember, a blessing is anything that helps. A curse is anything that hinders. All right? So he's comparing this to the Mosaic Covenant, which, as Debbie said, is indeed a conditional mm-hmm. covenant. Mm-hmm. Am I speaking too slow? I just no. want to be, okay, good. I just want to be sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've had some caffeine. It's just, I get excited teaching the Bible. I could be ready to fall asleep and you say, all right, open up and get a Bible question and boom. You know, I get Holy Spirit. He says, I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. In other words, they, they were, what, what's the analogy he's giving? They were like an unfaithful wife. But this covenant, he's making a distinction. That four-letter word is a big word. This covenant, this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put, notice what he says, I will put my law within them, 
And on their heart, I will write it. I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, know the Lord for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them declares the Lord. I will forgive their iniquity. You got to follow your pronouns back. It is Israel, their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Now, none of that, None of that in that covenant in, in Jeremiah 31 is even talking to Gentiles. Right. Right. The new covenant is solely, wholly, absolutely referring to Jews. You cannot claim any of the new covenant. Now, question is, has this taken place yet? No. no. Would it have taken place if the Jews yes. had accepted? Yes. And it's unconditional. It's unconditional. Says, will, he doesn't say, I will. If, if you, you do this, all they, all, if, if they had believed in Jesus Christ as their Messiah, the new covenant would have come into effect. So what Jesus does in the Last Supper is he enacts the covenant. He signs it, says, you know that new covenant? I, this is the new covenant that I'm signing in my blood. My death is going to be, the, and resurrection will guarantee that new covenant gets fulfilled when Israel accepts me as their Messiah. We know that will happen in the future. And then all these things are going to take place in the future. But there are believers today that say, oh, well, we get some of the blessings of the new covenant. No, you don't. Well, and I've heard, because, yeah, there was a breakup between me and another woman uh -huh. over this. Mm -hmm. She says we're grafted in, so we get it. Okay, we, that, that's Romans 9, 10, 11. No, right. we, we no, get none we get of those it. blessings. Yeah. None of those blessings. We are grafted into something else, but not the new covenant. Nowhere, mm -hmm. in, yeah. in, nowhere in Romans 11 does it say, oh, by the way, you're part of the new covenant now. Mm -hmm. No, but where do all of our blessings as Gentiles come from? The Abrahamic covenant. You know, I never saw that all. But you mean I'm teaching you something you don't know? That's good. I know. I love it. Because he says, in you, all the families of the earth. Will be. What's the greatest blessing we have? Salvation. Relationship. Salvation. Now, I want to show you another passage. Turn, hole's getting deeper. Turn with me to Ephesians. It's okay, Pat. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't have to. No, do don't be okay. This is, this is, I mean, you guys, you we ladies need to talk. know this stuff. You, you ladies, need, most yeah. people don't know this stuff. I guarantee. They're, and they're, you're, you're not going to get it. In, I don't think you're going to get it in any churches around or here. Or not even hungry for it. Yeah, or not oh, even hungry for it. You don't even know what That's a great know. point. Because yeah. you know what makes you hungry for the word? The word. The word. word. <laughs> you, know, you know what? The more you read, the, the more, more you, you Yeah, you Oh, my gosh. This is, remember when you've had this. Remember you've had an incredible uh, meal or dinner. I remember. I just so remember. It used to be the Chinook Tavern. It's no longer in business. Got in pay his employment taxes. And so it's out of business. They had the very best Jaeger schnitzel I've ever had in my entire life. Jaeger schnitzel. Oh. It sounds like a Jimmy. 
German dish. It is a it German is. dish. Yeah, I'll let, I won't I won't exegete Jaegersen, so but okay, look it up, yeah. you'll know what it is. Okay. And every time I went there, every time I went there, the I said, you don't have to bring a menu, just bring me the Jaegersen, so. Is it a meat? Yes, it's veal. Veal, okay. Yeah, veal. Oh. Uh, like yeah, I know, little baby calves. But, you know, they're so good. Um, now, I want you to look at, um, notice, let's start in uh, Ephesians 2. I'm sorry. Um, you know, he's gone through Ephesians 2. You're dead in your trespasses of sin. Uh, verse 8 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God. And as a result, for we are his workmanship. You see salvation in 8 and 9. You see discipleship in verse 10. For we are, now when you say we are, notice he's talking about the entire church. And he's, you know, it's, he's talking about the church is his workmanship. Uh, for we, the church, are his workmanship. We, the church, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before and that we should walk in them. And I'll be talking about to, uh, Saturday at the Promise Fellowship. I'll be talking about the necessity of good works or the priority of good works. Why you we should be doing it. You're never going to hear that in most churches either. But anyway, look at verse 12. Therefore, remember that formerly you... Gentiles. Gentiles. Non-Jews, Gentiles, in the flesh, who are called... Uncertain. That was like a derisive term. <laughs> you uns Remember yes. what David said to Goliath? Before he killed him. I don't remember the word, but something about you uncircumcised. You, you uncircumcised. He, it was a derisive yes. term that a he Jew would use. You, you are uncircumcised. Well, he knew he was because he was a Gentile. Right. And he says circumcision was a sign of the covenant. You are not a part of this. You are uncircumcised. You are out in the, you know. But yeah, it's pretty, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and come kind of kill you. Yeah, a little personal, you know. And Goliath says, my zipper down? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I hope that's probably going to be on the recording. All right. Yeah. Notice what he goes on to say. Therefore, you formerly, you Gentiles in the flesh, you're called uncircumcised by the so called circumcision. And he is, he's taking that word and throwing it back on the Jews. Oh, you think, you think, you know, the, the, the removal of the foreskin makes you special. Well, it doesn't. God makes them special. And he says, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. It's all human. Mm -hmm. You know, you think that is the thing that makes you special? Of course it doesn't. He goes on to say, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Notice what he says, excluded oh. from the commonwealth of Israel. They were not a part of Israel. <laughs> Strangers to the what? Even the new covenant. Mm, wow. And no hope. And therefore, no hope and what? Without God in this world. Wow, he is just staying. You know, so you people that, that call yourselves the new covenant church, there's no basis in scripture to. There are some people say, well, kind of like your friend, well, we get some of the benefits. Well, th that's something you're reading into the text. It's not something that's in the Bible. The new covenant, all those covenants are with the nation of Israel. We are not in any way get any blessings with that. We get blessings from the seventh promise in the Abrahamic covenant. Which is what? what was Which is, and you shall, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
That means Jew and Gentile in Abraham. If you do this, all the families are going to be blessed. Now, read on with what he says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Anything in there about the new covenant? No, it's just the death of Jesus. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier, the dividing wall. Notice what it says, made both groups into one. What is the one? And broke down the dividing wall. What is the one? Okay, there's a word for it. Come on, ladies, help me. Starts with a C, ends with an H, has got one church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was playing Wordle with you. I was going to say, has one vowel in it and five, you, you know, unique. Okay. The church, okay. the church, the church is something that no one in the Old Testament knew about. The church has nothing to do with the, the new covenant. It is an entirely new thing that was a mystery. Paul calls it a mystery. A mystery is something that was previously concealed, now revealed. That's the church, all right? So he goes on to say, he's broke down the barrier, the dividing wall, verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man. Notice, he's doing it, in, and, and in all the families of the earth, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, who is going to do that blessing from the Abrahamic covenant? Jesus. Jesus. And so, not, none of us are involved in the new covenant. We are blessed based upon the seventh promise of the Abrahamic covenant. And that's not something that no Jew in the Old Testament knew about. Jesus begins revealing the church, Matthew, the 16th chapter. And Paul calls the church a mystery. Paul is the one that's revealing the church because let's think about it for just a minute. When when the church was formed, when was it formed? Acts Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit, what was the ethnic makeup of the church in Acts two? Not pretty much. All Jews. All Jews. There were no Gentiles in that. No Gentiles. That is not the... So when the church began, it's all Jews. Later on, you go to Philippians, I mean, Acts, the eighth chapter, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, or you go to... um, uh, Or you go to uh, Acts, the 10th chapter... When, or, or, you know, when you get the um, uh, Cornelius as a Gentile, mm-hmm. that's when Gentiles start becoming a part of the church. But the church was always founded Jew, and, and that's what Paul's telling us. Well, they didn't know that. Cornelius that was in John 3? What's that? No, uh, Cornelius, that was Nicodemus. Oh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Okay. Nicodemus. First Jewish Irishman, Nicodemus. <laughs> uh, that was in uh, John the third chapter. Uh, Nicio, Nicio. Um, so anyway, uh, the point I would make is, is that the new covenant is, was solely for the Jews, not for us. We get blessings and the church, God knew about the church all along. 
But he never told the Jews that there's going to be an entity that contained both Jew and Gentile. Because when it started, it only contained, and the church started, and by the way, they've already, um, they've already kind of, you know, squandered, there's other words that I could use, but I've already said something I shouldn't say on the tape. They've already squandered, if you will, the chance of getting the kingdom. Peter is still preaching it. That's what he was preaching in Acts 2. He says, if you'll just repent, we'll get enough Jews. Paul, if you look at Paul, go to, go to uh, Acts uh, 28. Look what Paul was doing. Acts 28, uh, the very end of the... Uh, yeah, notice um, he, he, he says, starting in verse 23. Acts 28, 23. When, when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about, these were Jews that were coming to him, testifying about what? The kingdom. The kingdom of God, and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. What was he trying to persuade them? He's the king. Mm-hmm. From both the law of Moses and the prophets, Gentiles don't understand that stuff. Some were being persuaded, by the way, that is the word persuaded there, pistuo. Some were being pistuo, <clears throat> which is the word that we get that's always translated either faith or belief. And the best way to put it is you were persuaded of something. Mm-hmm. It's just like I was, um, you know, the illustration I gave in the Promise Fellowship, and that's why people mess up what it means to believe. You know, thank God, well, I got to pray a prayer. Mm-hmm. I've got to walk an aisle. But when I, when, when, when I, I, you know, when I told, you know, and that's already happened, and I was there, when I told Nathan, I used this illustration on Saturday at the Promise Fellowship, when I said, oh, by the way, Nathan and Daniel and I are going to meet tomorrow, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and Sabroso, and we're going to, um, we're going to, you know, answer questions. Never once do they say, well, do I need to pray or, you know, how do I, how do I, how can I be assured? Well, you can be assured because I told you that I'm going to be there. And all they did was they were persuaded that I was capable and I was credible. And so they showed up. And all we have to do is believe Jesus will give us eternal life. And you've got it. You don't have to pray a prayer. You don't have to be committed. You don't have to be obedient. You don't have to persevere. If you believe him for eternal life, you've got it. And that's the beauty of free God. Then you can know it. If you got to be committed, obedient, or persevere, how do you know if you've done that or not? You'll always doubt your salvation. It's too subjective to start doing that. Exactly. I mean, you know, and you know, you could fluctuate, you know, on any given day of the week or at any given hour during the day. And that's why, but what Paul was trying to do, now read on, what's that? It's too easy. It's too easy, just believe in the promise of, yeah, yeah, Scotty was saying, oh, they call that easy belief, it's like, I didn't come up with it, you know, and you know, rewards, well, that's kind of selfish, isn't it? I didn't come up with it. In fact, I'll start off in dealing with rewards this Sunday, he says, let me show you who came up with this idea of rewards. Now read on in verse 25. And when they, when they did not agree with one another, some were persuaded, some were not, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit, right? I love it. Paul says, you guys, here's what's going on here. 
the Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father saying, go to this people and say, you'll keep on hearing. How long have you heard this? Jesus was here for three years. I've been here for, you know, how many years? And you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull and with their ears, they scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their heart and understand with their heart and return Deuteronomy the 30th chapter they might repent what did Israel have to repent return same word Deuteronomy 30 shuv is the the Hebrew phrase and I would heal them therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God which has been sent to the Gentiles they also would listen when he had spoken these words the Jews departed having a great dispute upon and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him preaching the what kingdom of God which is not on this earth it's not here now it will not come it's in no form is it here and you've got some dispensationalists that are becoming like covenant theologians and they're saying well it's 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 here but it's not it's here in some sense no but why do they even want to teach that I think that they don't like, you know, I think they want to be popular. Okay. I think that, you know, in academic circles yeah. and stuff like that, you know, oh, they want, you know, people to okay. publish their papers oh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. See, we as dispensationalists, we're closer to you reform people than you think. Yeah, we they believe, want to build a bridge. Yeah, they want to build, and there ain't no bridge. Jews get the new covenant. Right. They're made with them. We get the seventh promise of the Abrahamic covenant. That's why we've got all the blessings we've got. So, so... It was Buttons four, on your underwear. It was 400 years uh, before uh, God spoke to the Jews in between the Old Testament... 400 and years of silence, so, correct. So here we hear the New Testament starts. So wouldn't you think that these people would be just waiting to hear something? This would speak to them? They would... They would want to, I'm like, oh, we're hearing from God again. Okay, let's th- let's think about that. And I understand what you're saying, and you you would think so. And there were Jews that way. Mm-hmm. Can you well, think of some Jews that were that we're way? Talking about it right here. Yeah, but think some of the Jews that were that way. Um, How about Mary? Mm-hmm. Okay. How about Ananias? Not Ananias, yeah. but. Um, the prophet there that he and his wife or the, the, oh. the lady, they'd always go to the temple praying for the consolation of Israel. Who is oh, that? Anna, Anna. Anna and Simeon. Simeon. Yeah. Anna and Simeon. Okay. They were just, they would go there every yeah. day to the temple. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to go every day. That's not mandated anywhere in scripture. They would say, if the Messiah does come, he's going to come to our temple. So we're going to go there every day and pray that Messiah comes. Okay. And guess what God does? Mm-hmm. What a blessing to those yeah. aged, elderly, faithful saints. They see baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and what does Simeon say? I could die now. Yeah. He even got to hold the baby. He even got to hold the baby. That was his redemption. He held the baby. I don't, what would that have done to him? He says, I've come every day. I never held Messiah. Oh my God. Can you imagine? He went back, I held Messiah. I held Messiah. God is faithful. I can die now. I know. So they, they held out. They, ne- they never gave up hope. They stayed faithful. Yeah, faithful. But think about it, for 400 years that would go by. Yes. Remember, the same thing happened. How long was Israel in bondage? 
Seventy years. Well, no, that was oh, the, that was the uh, exile, Lita. Okay. Four hundred years in bondage. Four hundred years in bondage. So think about when they came out of it out of Egypt. How much do you think they knew about Yahweh? Well, in order for any of that generation to know anything about Yahweh, we've got ten generations. If you say forty years, mm-hmm. ten generations. <clears throat> do any of you all have any idea who ten generations ago mm-hmm. was your you know, great, 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 or what they even believed. So in those ten generations, they had, guess what? Here's the they lost it. That's why it is so important for especially. I mean, you know, I'm seventy, and you know, most of you all are younger than that in this group here. But I'm seventy, and so you know, when my when my when you know my grandson, you know what I tell him all the time? You you know, I say Dubs. That's who he calls me, Dubs. Mm-hmm. You know, Dubs loves you. He says, I know. He says. Uh huh. Uh huh. And it says, "Who else loves you?" He's gotten to the point now because I've said it. He says, "He'll first say, mommy and daddy, and Karen and (laughs) Cindy, and Bob. That's his grandfather on the other side. They love me." And sometimes he'll go, "Leif," and you know his cousins. You know, I said, "But who loves you more than anyone?" He'll Jesus. That is so sweet. So, but you see, at yeah. some point in that 400 years, those people stopped teaching their grandkids, the fathers, the grandfathers, the grandmothers, stopped teaching them about Jesus. And oh, so yeah. all it takes is one generation yes. to stop. Look at our country. And, and it breaks the chain. Yeah. It mm. breaks the chain. So that's what I tell, you know, I tell, you know, it drives me nuts, you know, because this new, now I'm grateful that my son's not this, but his generation and even the generation after, they never take their kids to church. If I had a son and a daughter-in-law that didn't take, I say, listen, I will give you a hundred bucks every Sunday if you'll let me rent your kid to take him to church. They'd probably go for it. They'd probably go for it. I will will take your kid and I'll give you a hundred bucks. Go out to lunch. Go out to whatever you want to. Let me take your your kid. And that would be part of my gift to God. And I, I, you know, we, and we had when we were cross we had, uh, we had grandparents that were not bringing their kids to church. I said, what is wrong with you? Well, maybe the parents wouldn't let. Well, that I mean, that I mean, could be, that could be, happens. but I've never, I don't think I've ever found anybody that said it would mean so much to me. I will even pay you if you'll let me have your grandkid. You know, I would do anything. I would say I'll even pay you. I'll keep them so you all can. I'll come and get them at six o'clock in the morning so you guys can sleep. I would do anything to get my grandkids to hear the word of God. Anything. And, uh, but you know, that's, but to get, to answer your question, the reason I got off on that is for 400 years, 10 generations, there were a group of people that didn't pass on God's truth. They didn't pass it on. And so between, uh, you know, Malachi, the Italian prophet and Matthew, 400 years, Mm -hmm. they stopped passing it on. And guess what? They developed their own man made realism. The Pharisees and the Sadducees sprung up in that 400 years of silence. That's where they sprung up in that 400 years of silence. So, um, you know, it, it, it could easily happen. Yeah, I would have thought they'd be more hungry, but they were hungry, but maybe for There were day. some. There were some. I mean, obviously. Well, like here we talked about. Obviously, remember Zechariah when he's going in to perform the temple stuff. 
He was hungry. Elizabeth, she was hungry. Mary was hungry. You know, Simeon, Anna were hungry. I mean, there were those that were hungry. But by and large, they weren't. They weren't. Nicodemus, as as Lita brought up, Nicodemus, he was hungry. He goes to Jesus by night. He says, hey, I know that what no way you could do these things unless you were from God. And then he shares the gospel. You know, even the Samaritan woman who they started out Jewish, she was thirsty. She wanted that. And then when she goes into her village, all those Samaritans. Now, they had their own Samaritan, you know, religion that came out of, they came up with their own Samaritan Judaism, if you will, because they were part of Israel. But then when the Assyrians came in, interbred with those Jews, the Samaritans came out of that, and but they formed their own religion based loosely on mm-hmm. Judaism. There was a Samaritan temple. That's why she says, you know, your people say Jerusalem is the place to go to worship. We say in this mountain, which is in Samaria. What, what just occurred to me when we're talking about all this, about Anna and Sapphira? Simeon. Simeon, I mean. Simeon. Simeon. Is that, you know, it's not really glaring about Jesus coming as a baby. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not glaring. Mm. It's, you know, we know it's there. Yeah, Micah 5-2. I mean, well, in uh, what, 53? Um, uh, Isaiah 53 uh, would yeah. be the, where he dies, though, but that's not a baby. Oh, but that's not the, a baby. The, you know, no. Micah 5-2 would deal yeah, with, you I know, know his, that, I know his it's birth. there. I've read yeah. it, but that could be easily lost. Oh, sure. So for Simeon to have that, so ingrained. But you, I guess that's yeah. That's yeah. the Holy Spirit. It no, has it's all to the, Holy, the Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in the Word. Holy Spirit in the yeah. Word. Holy Spirit in the Word. And he was obviously in the Word, and he knew this though. He did know. Now he was in. Let me just. He wasn't looking for a baby in the temple. Oh no, he, he wasn't. Was he looking for an adult? He was looking yeah. for an adult. Oh. He was looking for. Of course, he, of course he, he wasn't looking for a baby. He thought Messiah would come into the Amen. temple. Now, re- as a king. As a king. Yeah. He, and restore the Shekinah glory and do all. Yeah. He wasn't looking for a baby. How but did when he know that the, the Lord baby. revealed it to him. Yeah. The Lord revealed that, that to him. Had to be a yeah, yeah, Lord revealed that. He says, he said, hey, you know what you've been looking for? See that little, and it, eight days old. You see that little baby? And he looks, there's your Messiah. There's your Messiah. And it, he says, I've been looking all these years for a grown man. You allowed me to see baby Jesus. And then remember oh, when Jesus... Yeah, I mean, what... See, but, but you see, he would have never known that had he not been in the Word. In the Word. And you all would have never known about the Gentiles are never in the New Covenant unless Pat had asked the question and we had been... In the Word today. Oh, I can't believe how ignorant I was. I thought the New Covenant was the New Testament. Yeah, well, a lot too. Yeah, that's not unusual, Lita. That's not unusual. And that, and but here's the problem: there is so. And that's why when I always teach Bible, I said when you read the Bible, you must read it as if you've never read it before. And all that stuff that you mm-hmm. think you know, right? You st- it's just like me when I was reading last week. I told you. Oh, isn't there fire and an axe and a tree and good and bad? Didn't John the Baptist say that? 
Oh, oh, that's that message that is to, John the Baptist gave it, Jesus gave it, and Jesus told him, it's, it's done. No kingdom for you. God inspired. Yeah, the whole book. All right, we've taken almost our entire 45 minutes. But did we answer talking about yeah, the fool? Yeah, about the fool. You shall be guilty enough to go into fiery. Okay, hell. we've got two minutes. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that in two I minutes. You said you would be in okay, let's let's go back and look at it. Let's go back and look at it. So what's going on in these passages? There are six and in, in starting, you know, the theme there is I didn't come to abolish it. And then look at verse 21, 521. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not, where's that from? You shall not commit murder. Uh, the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Yeah. There's six commandments that he deals with here. You can read them. They form a chiastic structure. You know, a key is, key is, the, is the Greek word for X. That looks like an X, mm -hmm. you know, the, it's key. Says, but I say, and then... Okay, hang on to that. Hang on. I'll get to that in just a minute, Lita. So if you can imagine an X, you start off, and, and you can do this in the side of your Bible. I'm not going to teach this because it takes too long. But you start off with the first commandment, which is murder. And then you go to the next commandment. It's coming down toward the V. The next commandment, you can read that. And then the next command. You've got three commandments that would be in the upper part of the X. And then you've got three commandments that would be in the bottom part of the X. Okay? Uh, that, that's a chiasm. And notice what the, the first commandment is. You shall not commit murder. And I want you to notice what the last uh, command, uh, 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 the commandment is. You shall look at verse 43. You have heard, this is the sixth one. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Whoa, murder is the first commandment. Then the second, then the third, then the fourth, then the fifth. And guess what? Murder and love, antithesis of each other. Mm -hmm. wow. If you murder someone, you don't love them. Right. So you can see it's a chiastic structure. Now, getting back, so there's six commandments. I don't have time to show you. You guys can go back. It's very easy. You'll see six commandments. I encourage you to do that. And in your, in your Bible side of your margins, you got great margins in your Bible. Uh, you could sit there and draw an X and then start one. Is, is murder, two is this, three is this, four is this, four. And you can see that chiastic structure, so you know. But you're talking about 21 and 22. But, 22. Yeah, but I say, so he's talked about murder, which that's pretty bad. You shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. What court? What would be the court? What's the only court they had back then? Sanhedrin. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay, that's their court. That's their really, yeah, re religio legal system is all together. But I say to you, everyone who is what? Angry. You see what Jesus yeah. does? Jesus, before you murder someone, you're probably what? Angry. Yeah. And, and, and murder is exterior, anger is interior in your heart. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay? So Jesus is saying, I'm going to take it, you know, I, as far as I know, no one in this room has actually gone out. I shot a man in a Laredo just to watch him die. No one's done that. But we all around this table are murderers because we've been angry with people. 
See what Jesus has done? He's moved it from exterior to interior, from, from, from the act to the attitude, angry. He goes, but I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Even the court. He says, I'm, I'm taking the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, or fool, as some translates him, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go to fire hell. Now, Lita pointed out, it did not say shall go to hell. He says you'll be what? Guilty. Guilty. Guilty enough. Guilty enough. Let me me ask you. in other words, that's pretty bad. You could be guilty enough to go to hell, but we're not saying you're going to go to hell. But what is Jesus doing? He's moving it from the exterior to the interior. And he says, you all that, and what did Jesus call Matthew 24, I believe, maybe 25, Matthew 24, maybe 25. What did he call the Pharisees and Sadducees that he was kind of, he was referring to these people. What did he call them? Whitewashed sepulchers full of, they look great on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. And, and, and you, look at, you look at a tomb, a sepulcher, it's so nice, it's so pristine, but there's dead, rotting flesh and bones in there. And he say, he's telling those, he says, you all think you're so good because you haven't got shot a man in Laredo just to watch him die? That's nothing. You're guilty if you've ever had anger in your heart. So Jesus is setting, and that's why when he comes here, he says, in the ver- and we don't have time to get into it. Maybe when we study the Sermon on the Mount, we'll do that. If we study the Sermon on the Mount, verse 48, he sums up those com- the commandments. Therefore, you are to be what? Perfect. Perfect as your heavenly Father is in heaven. In other words, the standard is what? Each other? No, Jesus. God himself is the standard. God himself.